Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Coogie, welcome back, mate. Oh, Mark, good to be back. Tricky period, um, scary period. Um, Look, Bank of England last week went up by half a percent and as you earlier pointed out to me when we're having a quick off the air discussion, it's not as if they went from 2% to 2.5%, they went from 4.5% to 5%. Admittedly, their inflation number is quite high. Um, But does that give us uh, our Reserve Bank Governor licence to go again? It gives them more cover because they weren't the lone rangers either. We had uh, the Bank of Sweden, the European Central Bank all talking rate hikes. A couple of banks have paused, like the Fed, the US Federal Reserve, didn't hike, even though they're sounding as though there might be one or two more to go. Uh, The Bank of Canada paused. So there's a couple that are pausing at a high level. New Zealand? New Zealand have paused at a high level, but there's a couple that are a little bit behind that are still going. And the debate for the RBA here in Australia, the Reserve Bank of Australia, is is a 4.1% official cash rate sufficient to get inflation lower when we know most of these other central banks that we mentioned have got five or five and a quarter, five and a half percent interest rates. The backdrop of this, of course, is that our Reserve Bank went last or pretty much last out of all the ones you just mentioned. Yep. And everybody was saying that the Reserve Bank went too late. They should have gone earlier and that's you know, a hindsight argument, I guess, but nonetheless it exists. Yep. Um, does it feel as though to you that um, this could be, as I said earlier, licensed therefore we still got a bit more in us because we've got to catch up to the rest? There's an element of truth in that. There's no doubt. There's an element of truth. However... What I'd like to do and what I like to do when I look at the Reserve Bank, and I've been doing it for 30 years, as you know, is to look at the hard facts on the economy. Okay, what happens in the global economy is very important. One thing that we haven't spoken about is the Bank of Japan cut interest rates, our major trading partner. The Chinese economy is weakening. And they're cutting interest rates too. And they're cutting interest rates. So we've got the Chinese economy weakening, The arguably the biggest economy in the world, our biggest trading partner. Why? Because they've got inflation at 0%. Their economy is not growing. They've got a hangover of all this excess construction and these sorts of things occurring uh, in the Chinese economy. So getting to your question, I'd like to sort of assess the whole gamut of issues. Just because the US Fed, the Bank of England, the Bank of Canada have all hiked rates to 5 and 5 point something percent doesn't mean we automatically have to. And this is what I think we're going to be discussing in a minute. The economy in Australia is slowing down. We do have clear evidence that the unemployment rate stopped falling. It's not going up much, but it's certainly indicating that it'll be higher in three, six and 12 months' time than it is today. And, in fact, the Deputy Governor of the Reserve Bank, Michelle Bullock, said she wants unemployment to go up. And she Uh, actually quoted a number, 4.5%. 4.5%, and that's 140,000 people, you know, the MCG plus, you yep. know, full of people who are going to, who have currently got a job, who won't have a job by the time the RBA is finished with their RBA action. So you add all these things up, and uh, and yes, I was wrong the last two rate hikes. I didn't think they were needed, and I didn't think they would happen. I, to this day, I still think uh, I wouldn't change my view. However, clearly, the RBA has got a concern about wages growth. You're quite right to point out that they're looking at the international economy and the rate hikes that are being delivered. And they're also looking at the interesting rebound in house prices. It was interesting that in those last two unexpected rate hikes, let's call them, that they mentioned house prices going up as a reason for them to hike rates. So they've pulled out different excuses, wages, house prices. Well, house prices are still going up. 
at the moment and wages growth, a little bit of uncertainty going there. So it's a really, again, it's just this line ball call for the RBA. For me, wages creating inflation is probably the, the least spoken about but probably one of the most relevant things that the RBA is thinking about and also this concept of productivity or lack of productivity. So I think we need to just put those two things in a context. So why don't we just quickly talk about the importance of productivity? What do they keep saying Australia's productivity is as low as we haven't, has been our lowest increase in productivity for a long time? What the hell are we talking about? Productivity is producing more output for the same level of labour input. Like hours so, spent. Yes, number of hours. So, for example, I'll use one example to make the illustration. Having a mine and you have a pick and shovel, how many man hours or person hours do you need to dig out a ton of stuff when you've got a pick and a shovel? Or you have this great big machine that digs out a ton or two with every scoop. So for one worker, a pick and shovel might get a ton a day. One of these scooping machines, so you invest in the machinery and the person to drive this digger, if we can call it that, you know, you're going to increase your productivity per person by many, many thousands. Now, that's an extreme example. But in the other parts of the economy, you know, productivity comes from automation. Uh, think, think of the banking sector again. I'm old enough to remember you're writing checks, you'd go in, you pull out your money every Friday afternoon, you'd go and all this other stuff. Nowadays, click, 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 you know, no wonder bank branches are shutting down, you know, in, in I don't know how many years, but we won't need them. It's like checks won't exist. But then in any case, be more productivity. There'd be more, indeed, they're the things that are good. Now, our productivity is poor at the moment, and it's a bit of, it is a bit of a mystery, I must say. Where is it? Well, it's happening because um, some people are suggesting that it's, it was it was weakish before COVID, but when people worked at home, and while we were sort of thinking, oh, people are working from home, they're working hard, you know, they don't have to commute every day, so they're going to sit down at their computers and do more work. Some people are sort of suggesting that because people are working at home, they did goof off. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a bit extreme, but they did, you know, oh, let's watch the cricket, it's on telly, and let's sort of, you know, do the you know, some housework and look after the kids and, and homeschooling thing too. So there's actually a legitimate issue behind it. So you're at home, you're at work, and you've got to homeschool the kids and think, well, so your productivity does get damaged even in services industry. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly why. But Australia has had a yeah a pretty dismal productivity performance over the last few years, and that's important for the RBA because they're very worried about that. Correct, because if you have low productivity, the ability of firms to keep prices low is restrained. So, for example, using that digging stuff out of the ground, the mining company, that mining company is going to make uh, a lot more money by cutting its price. Yeah, you know, if it's paying workers to pick and shovel stuff out of the ground its wages bill is going to be huge. Okay, it has to have the capital investment in a machine to dig it out of the ground, but its wages bill is going to be tiny compared to the output that they get. So the output per person goes up massively. And that's can happen in other parts of the economy. You know, the efficiency in you know, even running businesses, the uh, logistics and transport, how things are just, you know, go across conveyor belts with the barcodes, bip, 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 you know, and they get delivered all over the countryside. You know, that's amazing rather than having someone reading, oh, this goes to postcode such and such. A machine does that. So while there's elements where productivity's clearly been enhanced, it's been held back by, I think, the way that we're working. Is that the, so? Are we talking about the services industry then, mostly? Probably, because I think in manufacturing, 
in construction everything's and robotized like and mining yes it, it's, it's all it's, robotics now correct and it's brilliant you know it's fantastic uh, and that's it's even more fantastic and we've got a low unemployment rate so it's happening it's not at this stage displacing people from work which of course is a bit of a fear for robotics and artificial intelligence and all that other stuff but what we're actually seeing i think it's in the services industry where admittedly it's hard to work out productivity so for example if you're a um i don't know a, a restaurant a, a restaurant, what's your productivity in making, you know, uh, an entree, a main course and pouring a glass of wine to but everybody? How do the, but how did the how ABS do work that out? Because, or whoever, how does the Productivity uh, uh, Commission work that out? Yeah, when, when I, a, if I'm running a restaurant, yeah. I wouldn't be able to work it out. Well, again, the question about how does the Reserve Bank work out, it's productivity. They're sitting there analysing the economy for better or worse, you know, but how does their productivity get enhanced? Well, the way that they measure it, and this is the biggest shortcoming, it's based on wages. So it's based on the incomes that you pay people because you're not going to be paying someone if they're not going to be adding to your output. So there is a big problem in how we measure productivity in the services sector. So just because you sit down and write more research notes at the RBA, you're being more productive. We're actually becoming less productive because you're you know, spending more time doing stuff that doesn't matter. So, so because for me, when I hear the productivity argument, I'm worried that if indeed we are – not less productive, but we are just the same productive. In other words, and, and when, you know, again, in a maybe a different form of measurement, then I, if if that is the case, then what the RBA is doing is on the wrong footing. So, so the because the RBA seems to be putting a lot of heavy emphasis on the the, the following argument: because our productivity is low, and because our wages per person is going up, therefore our cost to produce that particular item is going to go up. Therefore, yep. me, the manufacturer, I'm going to charge Jono more for that because I want to maintain my margin, which just makes the assumption that John is prepared to pay more, by the way. Yes, and he's got, and he's got, the, abil- and he's got the ability to yeah, pay more. Correct. He may not. And yep. right now he doesn't have it because yep. the interest rates are probably taking that away from him. Yep. So when I read the RBA talking about this, and in fact I saw Michelle Bullock talk about it the other day in her paper on the Tuesday last week and I saw yep. you know, the RBA, the governor himself saying something about this, Yep. I started to think, hang on, is that premise right or wrong? Yep. And if it's wrong, it's going to cause a massive problem for the economy because they've, they put rates up when they didn't need to. That is a very telling point that I don't think it's got enough coverage yet. I hope it does get coverage. It's one of these questions. Will an interest rate hike boost productivity? The answer is no. No. In fact, on the contrary, it may not. It may hinder productivity because firms are going to be reluctant to buy that big machinery because the economy is slowing down. They're not getting as many customers through the door as we consumers are hunkering down because of rate hikes. So, in fact, you can actually get an even greater problem on productivity. The question of productivity is not about interest rates. In fact, the the linkage is non-existent. It's about education, skills and training. It's about machinery and equipment. It's about rules and regulation. Tax policy is about productivity. You know, if the tax rate's 100%, you know, your incentive to invest is pretty low because you're not, mm. not going to make any money. So tax policy is so important too. So there's, there's 101 things that drive productivity. One of the things that doesn't is interest rates, even though productivity can have an impact on inflation if you've got weak productivity with a booming economy and, okay, we've got weak productivity but we no longer have a booming economy. The last time um, we had interest rate reduction, uh, sorry, interest rate increase period, that they noticed a boost in productivity, right. that there was a, a, a correlated boost yeah. in productivity because 
jobs went from whatever the number was, percent, well, number of unemployed grew, okay? Yep. Yep. So the argument being, or well, the narrative was, oh, well, people now saying, hang on a minute, I might lose my job, so I better start to work harder. Now, but, but this is all qualitative stuff. There's no, I mean, I don't see any quantitative proof of these things. I see no mathematical formula around it. It's not tested in any way. Yep. And I'm just getting very concerned, Steve, that yep. that the, the, the RBA is increasing interest rates to quell inflation that might be caused by increased wages and lower productivity when, in fact, if lower productivity is not a thing, if it's not actually being properly calculated, then they could be so wrong that they could be causing a major problem for a us. A major problem. And it's a little bit like the supply chain issues from about a year ago or Russia-Ukraine issues, which is quite topical as we speak. But, you know, the, the fact that gas prices, energy prices all got boosted because of a conflict between Ukraine and Russia and supply chain problems as a legacy of COVID and all these sort of things, rate hikes don't fix that. They don't fix that at all. What rate hikes do and the way they normally work and they've worked over many, many decades, is that when you've got inflation that's being driven by excessive demand, you and me and everybody going out think, yes, I'm going to spend up like crazy. Drunken sailors. The drunken sailor, aided by government payments maybe, aided by, I don't know, a windfall, you know, very low unemployment rate, so wages do pick up, and we spend like crazy. That's excessive demand. Firms bump up their prices. That's inflation. Rate hikes dampen that, and it works. Sometimes... Inflation is caused by other things. This is the supply chain issues that, that we mentioned. But right now, it's also, yes, linked to this productivity issue, but interest rates won't fix it, just as they won't fix the Ukraine-Russia conflict. They won't fix the supply chain They'll problems in, some people, in, in, in car production in, in Asia and other parts of the world. Uh, but in the meantime, those people have got to, chunky mortgage and including small businesses. I think one thing that's important to remember when we're analysing interest rates, don't take your eye off small businesses. Now, I know mortgage holders are the ones that, you know, it's it's a personal pain that you're forking out hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars per month more because of the rate hikes. But a lot of small businesses have got an overdraft too, often linked to the house. So that stress level is being compounded by these rate hikes. And so when you look at, you know, Bill Evans uh, from Westpac, his measure of consumer sentiment, it's lower now than during the COVID pandemic, than during the global financial crisis in 2007, 8, 9. And it's as low as it was in the 1990 recession when unemployment got to, heaven forbid, 11%. So, uh, so what concerns me here, Steve, is that we end up where New Zealand is. So New Zealand announced yep. at the beginning of last week yep. they're in a recession. Yep. Um, they've gone way too hard. Um, yep. And But by the way, there's no talk of reducing interest rates. Um, Not yet, no. Um, That's amazing. So they're in a recession but and, uh, they're the, and also the question then becomes, is a recession actually a problem or is a recession only a problem when we get, say, high unemployment? What, when is a recession a problem? And what's a moderate infl- recession compared to a bad recession? Or a, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a very good point. Remember that the Reserve Bank is trying to slow the economy down. Yeah, it's got its foot on the brake. Good, and it had to. You know, as we discussed last year, you know, the, the rate hikes, yep, they're coming, we have, they have to happen. Yeah, the economy's too strong, inflation is going up, all those other reasons. But be careful what you wish for or be careful that you don't overdo it. Uh, putting like a little couple of nips too many in the punch bowl, you know, a little, little bit's good. You have too many, everyone gets off their face by 9 o'clock in the evening, you know, so it's not a good thing. So the the, the question to me for a recession and why a, a economic slowdown is fine, 
a little bit of an upturn in unemployment rate is manageable. But when you start getting a significant increase in unemployment, when you get, because we're currently at 3.6, 3.7% unemployment rate, getting to four, okay, we can probably tolerate that. Getting to four and a half and then risking an overshoot to 5% unemployment rate, that's tens and tens of thousands of people who are losing their jobs. They might have a mortgage. They might, you know, how, how are they going to pay it? They'll be paying rent if they're not having a mortgage. Got to, you know, so you get this additional pressure in the economy. And when that happens, they don't earn any income. By definition, when you're unemployed, you earn nothing. So your ability to go to the shops and spend, the business sector falls down. Recessions are associated with high unemployment and business failures. We've got the unemployment rate ticking up. We've got insolvency measures. There's a couple of people that I've seen the insolvency numbers for just starting to increase for the first time in this business cycle. And that's before the full effect of these rate hikes, particularly the last couple, have had any effect on the data. Okay, let's move the checklist because I want to know what oh. Kooky thinks, whether or not we're going to get another rate yeah. hike. And bear in mind, you've said no for the yeah. last two movements. And I was wrong. I was wrong, yeah. Yep. Yep. So t- take me through it, Steve. Righto, Mark. Well, we've, we had the GDP numbers come out and we had a really disappointing GDP result. It was only 0.2 quarter on quarter. It was actually negative in per capita terms. I'm moving that one straight to neutral. On GDP, if we get another weak quarter, that's when you get that risk of recession. Maybe in three months' time, that will move to the easing side. Inflation, persistently high. And remember that that is probably the dominant issue for the Reserve Bank, as we've been discussing. Inflation is still high. It's coming down. Yep, it's coming in the right direction, which is good news, but not fast enough for the RBA. So if inflation was the only thing that was there, that hike again. Okay, but that's inflation looking backwards. Looking backwards, correct. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Not inflation. Well, can I oh, ask you a quick question just on yes, this? I mean, before yes. I go. It's an important point. Why don't, why don't, I know that the Reserve Bank can only operate on what is inflation and inflation as we define it today is for the month of June and every other month yep. back to July, yep. backwards to 2022. Add them yep. all up and that gives you the yep. 6.8, inf- I think whatever it was. Yeah, inflation number. Something, yes, yes. Why can't they take the last three months and extrapolate for the next oh. nine months and why don't we take the average of the two, looking backwards and looking forwards? Well, they what? sort of do do that, but at the moment they're putting so much weight on what happened in the past and that, those are the high numbers. And just by the way, on inflation, one of the things that I love to look at are global commodity prices and that's the price of oil, gas, wheat, wool, Gold, copper, iron ore, you know, the full basket of commodities, agriculture, metals, energy. And that's proven to have a good correlation with future inflation. Doesn't happen immediately. So the price of oil or iron ore might drop 10% last month. Doesn't flow onto prices for finished products yet. Takes a few months for it to happen. That's at its lowest level. The whole basket. The whole basket, lowest level in about three years and coming down quite nicely nicely in terms of your inflation outlook. So based on that, you'd say inflation is going to fall further. However, the RBA is still got to be in its bonnet about actual inflation. Linked to that on the labour market, well, we, we had a surprisingly strong jobs report uh, last month. 
I'd put that in neutral to tightening because it's still a solid number, unemployment at 3.6%, uh, so it's still low on a historical basis, even though all the leading indicators, job vacancies, job ads are all turning down. So you'd say that future unemployment will go up, but we're not there yet. Wages, um, well, the RBA put a high weighting. Yeah, we, we spent a moment or two discussing that. The Fair Work Commission pay decision uh, about a month ago, the 5.75% increase was bigger than the RBA were assuming, bigger than everybody was assuming. It was a chunky pay and rise. And 30% of the po- working population get it. And they'll get it, they'll get that or some derivative of it. So wages got a bit of a kick. And in fact, the RBA governor, when they hiked rates, when they shocked us all earlier in June and hiked rates, they put a paragraph on wages, which is more than they normally do. I just thought that was trying to make a point, but anyway. Yeah, I think it's trying to make a point, but they made the point. Yeah, they made the point. So wages there. Now, international economy, weak. Germany's in recession. US is slowing down. UK's in huge trouble. It's in recession. New Zealand's in recession. The world economy's weakening. On the world economy alone... We mentioned China, it's slowing down. You'd be cutting rates if that was the only thing that was... Yeah, but he, by the way, he always says, oh, we're going to keep an, uh, an eye on the, the world economy, <laughs> yeah. the global, you know, growth. Yep. Well, global growth, man, is... Is looking crook. Looks bad. Yeah, it is. And it's, and if you look at, well, the countries that make up about 75% of world GDP are the Eurozone as a whole, the US, China and Japan... They make up about 60 to 70% of world GDP. They're all either in negative GDP or just about to be in negative GDP. And don't forget, they've all hiked interest rates too, and the full effect of their rate hikes hasn't impacted their economy. You know, we could be sitting in the US, while the conversation would be slightly different, the lagged effects of earlier rate hikes would be exactly the same. So there's a pipeline of tight policy yet to impact those economies. Especially in the US where they're mostly fixed rate and the, fixed rate, the, the, the interest rates haven't really affected most of the borrowers yet. Correct. It's hitting the corporate sector yep. but not so much the household sector. But as new loans are trying to be written, that's where you they get, get the kicker. They, they get yep. put in at a new fixed rate, a high one. Yeah. Local house prices, I'm going to stick that just in neutral. They've gone up a bit in the last few months. Supply and demand, we didn't really focus on that today but that's okay because we do know that population strong Rental markets as tight as a drum again for another month. It might just be starting to ease a bit, but not much. House prices, they wouldn't want to cut them. Gosh, well, they, they might want to hike them if they keep going up. But if house prices go up another 1% or 2% in the next couple of months, that might actually go into the tightening. Well, but I need to ask you, Steve, it's really important. The RBA is not supposed to look at any one particular asset class. No, they're and not. And why, why are they looking at this particular asset class? Oh, well, they keep raising it. They have for a long time. In fact, you've, you've, you've hit a nerve with me because I remember in the period prior to the pandemic, about 2018, 19, if I remember correctly, I might have the year slightly wrong, but um, when they refused to cut interest rates, I know interest rates were 1.5%, but we had inflation under the bottom of the target, unemployment was above five, and Dr Lowe said we want to lean against house prices. Not in their mandate. They, tr- they tried a few macro prudential issues to cool housing down, and they did in that period. Remember that house prices dropped, if I remember correctly, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine percent, even though without, even though we didn't have any rate hikes, they just tightened up credit. But it's not in their mandate. But they still, I don't know, they don't like, well, what they would call an asset boom. I won't use the word bubble because I don't like it. But you know, so it's a bit like the stock market. You know, it's hardly a boom. 
It's hardly a boom. The prices are still 7 8% lower yeah, now a, than they were three it's, years it's ago. It's bumping along the bottom. And like, it's hardly yeah, a boom. Yeah. And it's gone up a couple of percent yeah. in a couple of months. whoop de doo as they say. It sounds like they're trying to find excuses, but sorry, mate. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're quite right. I think retail sales, dismal, falling in uh, real terms. You know, we, we, we've stopped spending. You know, we consumers are... are uh, being impacted by high rates, cost of living pressures. Consumer sentiment, as I mentioned, Westpac measure is in the doldrums. Consumer sentiment's miserable. Building approvals, lowest level in a decade. And in fact, if you want to think about house prices, again, while interest rates do have an impact, if we've got building approvals running at the lowest level in a decade, when population growth is growing at its fastest level... Of course, house level, price is going to go up. Supply and demand. Economics 101. Yeah. You know, not even economic. You did it in year 10 economics. Yeah, you know? 100%. I don't understand why. I mean, Huge demand, no supply. What happens to prices? Go up. You don't have to be John Maynard Keynes to work that one out. Business investment's okay. I put that in neutral. You know, one thing, thankfully, that's probably going to work against the risk of a recession is that businesses are still investing on machinery, on IT. And some buildings, not CBD office blocks, but warehousing and sort of these sort of things. So business investment's doing okay. And so is business confidence. While we consumers are gloomy, businesses are doing okay. Commodity prices, I mentioned before, falling. I'll put that between neutral and easing, but that's a sign that global economy is weakening. Demand for iron ore, oil, wheat, these sort of things are starting to come off. So that's a, an early sign. Stock market, I'll put that in that. Neutral to easing column, even though a bit like house prices. I've never heard the RBA hiking or cutting because of the stock market going up or down. I don't even think they did in 1987 when we had that crash. I think they held off. But yeah, anyway, it's still an important part of wealth. And the current level of interest rates, 4.1, they don't, I'd put that right over in the easing column. They've done enough. In my view, they've done enough. So this, this checklist. Again, as we acknowledge every month, it's the things at the top of the list that are more important than at the bottom. Everything at the bottom is either neutral or easing. Wages, inflation, maybe the labour market are the things that are going to be. What do you reckon then? Forefront. Oh, look, with the bank, you know, the issues with the Bank of England hiking, with their bee and their bonnet about these sorts of things. Like wages and labour market. Wages, labour market. Oh, look, I'll, I'll, I've got to stick to my guns, Mark. I've got to say they're not going to go. But it's with no degree of conviction. And remembering that Dr Lowe only has a couple of months to go in his term, he probably doesn't want to have his as his legacy the guy that didn't control inflation. So what do you do if you've only got two or three months to left, left as the RBA governor? You'll hike and hike and hike so that in a year's time, wow, inflation's really low, which I think it will be anyway, but he'll just make sure it's really, really low. Because of him. Because, and I, I, at least, even though I made mistakes in the past, I'm, I'm not going to throw stones at, you know, at him, you know, uh, no rate hikes till 2024. What he doesn't want to have is another legacy where inflation in a year's time is still too high. Well, I mean, that's interesting because it sort of sounds like it's coming down to personality. And, yeah. and, and I mean, I really think that's a big deal. And it was probably yes. one of the reasons why the, the, uh, the government, the current government, uh, got the, uh, going to in, in, um, put in place the recommendations to take away the, I don't know, the, the influence of the RBA governor in relation to Reserve Bank decisions. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But I, I, I think I, I'm going to say, there's going to be rate hike, and the rate hike, and the only reason I say it is because yeah. Michelle Bullock's um, paper out last Tuesday talked about um, unemployment at four and a half percent, and I yes. think 
the moment we start to see unemployment around 4.5% or going towards that number, or unless we see an unemployment <laughs> number come out above with a four in front of it, four, yes, yes, I think they're going to keep uh, put rates up again. Look, I can't disagree with you on that one, on, on all of the above, because I think that unemployment thing is the thing, and particularly linked to that wages decision. Uh, I think that's their that, indicator. Yeah, I think that is an indicator right now. Because she made a point of saying four and a half, Steve. She, like, and she, she was very, and in fact, you read you read yeah, through it, which yeah. we've both done a couple of times. It came up more than once. Yeah, yeah. She she wanted to get that message out. Yeah. On the RBA's current thinking, and we had, and uh, yeah, I think the day before or the day after, whatever, we had the three point six percent unemployment rate being released by the yeah. Bureau of Stats. You know, people think it would go to three seven, three eight, came back to three point six percent. So we're basically a full percentage point away from that, and that's. That's a long way in economics, yeah. But one yeah, percent unemployment rate, and, I, a lot. and my gut, just my gut feeling is that they're going to say we need one more to get it up to that four plus. And to be blunt, the RBA can't fine tune an unemployment rate to four point five. No, like, it's either going to go to five or four. Or four, it will never get there. It'll go to five and a half. Yes, the, the sort of saying we'll get to five, uh, four and a half, and then we'll stop hiking or whatever she implied anyway in her um, in her speech the other day. Yeah, there are so many other moving parts in the economy. Okay, interest rates are really important. They they clearly are. But what if something happens in China? What if uh, US has a particular issue within its economy? Another banking crisis. You know, their hiking rates still over there, and we haven't had a bank failure for a few few weeks. But you know, who knows? There might be another one in the offing. We don't know yet. Or dare I say, you know, the things going on in Russia. I, I can't even guess what's going to happen there. But it could have big global economic implications. And if the RBA has hiked an awful lot and think, oh, my goodness, there's a big negative shock to Australia coming from the oil price going to freefall, the energy price going down, iron ore going down, all of a sudden we get from 45 to 5% unemployment rate in the blink and you can start cutting interest rates, you know, but they take time to impact. So you get to 5.5%. So I think they've just got to tread super carefully when there's a lot of things lining up on our checklist here that are in the easing or neutral side, even though we know that, you know, a couple of them are still elevated, just tread carefully, particularly when you've already got 400 points of rate hikes that you've already delivered in the last, what, 14, 15 months. It kills me, and uh, and I, I can easily see the, the inflation and wages, those two red dots there, Steve. I can see those and GDP. I can see yep. those moving across to easing very, very quickly, yep. like literally within a three-month period. I was going to say all eyes will be on the June quarter Which comes CPI, out end of July. End of July. So, well, not that far away now, Mark, yeah. that uh, that's got the potential to be a really big, big number in terms of big in terms of its importance on the RBA, RBA deliberations. And, you know, with the way that some of these prices of some goods and services are going, we might get for the first time in a couple of years a downside surprise on the inflation rate. Yeah, let's just wait and see. There's a bit more water to go under the bridge before we forecast that. But you're quite right. We could very quickly see this inflation rate coming down. You might know the answer now, but but if not, we might do it in the next week. But yep. before the next week. But what does what? How long is a normal rate? Tightening cycle lasts for, uh, yeah. Because Good a question. lot of people are saying, you know, like before they start to ease again, so not before they pause, but before they start to ease. Because the reason I ask this is because a lot of people are sitting out there, 
they're absolutely um, under immense stress and they need one or two rate reductions. I'm not suggesting there's going to be 10 rate reductions, but no. uh, but there might be two or three. It might be just enough to take the, the pressure off. Yep. What is the normal eco- economic history terms in Australia? Yep. My recollection is somewhere between nine and 15 months. Yep. Good is, on you. Is yes. the number. Your recollection is pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had four times since the early 1990s where they've gone from a hiking cycle, pause, to the start of a cutting cycle. Yep. And you're quite right. I think there was one experience. It might have been during the global crisis in 2008, which was, again, one of these external things that happened. Oh, my God, that came out of left field. And it was only six months between a hike and the first cut in October 2008, if I remember correctly. I'll just have to check my data. But it was about six months. But normally in the 1994, the 99-2000 rate, um, uh, hiking cycles, they were 9, 12. I think one of them was 18 months. They had rates steady and then they finally cut. So if, if you're to say if we are within QE of, a, of the peak of the rate hiking cycle, if it's not here already, we've got to be within a couple of months. So let's call it the middle of 2023. We've got the peak in rate rates, you would say that there's a strong possibility, even a probability that in the middle of 2024, we'll be talking rate cuts and might even have them delivered. And, you know, you mentioned the money markets and while they've, they're very fickle, they change every day on every nuance and every little bit of economic news, uh, they are quick to start pricing in rate cuts before the RBA even thinks about them, or even the Federal Reserve. And in the US, they're still pricing in rate cuts in 2024. They've been pushed back a bit in the last month or two, but there's still rate cuts being priced in. If that's correct, well, then we're not going to be far behind. So, you know, if economic history could be any guide to us, it's quite quite possible that um, under normal circumstances, we'd expect to see something start to change um, as a result of some – at some time halfway during next year, if not a little bit later. And it might be being – remember that we – often the financial market community chat before the RBA – it happened this this hiking cycle, you know, late 21, early 22, rate hikes, rate hikes, rate hikes. The RBA didn't move till May. Yeah. So it's quite possible that by the very end of this year uh, or, you know, January, February next year when we get – low inflation numbers, unemployment, four-point something. If they're the sort of dynamics that we're seeing in our economy, certainly market economists, you know, our mate Bill Evans and others will be talking even more than they currently are about rate-cutting cycles beginning. doesn't mean they're going to start the day they start talking about it, but it feeds into this momentum and it might just spark a hint of optimism. But that's three to six months down the track. And, and just finally, but you and I are not talking about 10 rate reductions or six rate that no, they'll, they'll no. bring it back to two or three that's a I reckon that's wherever you're going to see it. they're going to yeah. they're going to land it around you know like if if you know with GDPs we talked about this last time GDPs yeah. at 3% never has been but if it yeah, is yeah. never never seems to get there but if it is at 3% and if um yeah. um inflation yeah. is at 3% and uh um, interest rates are at three and a half. The official rates are three and a half percent. Three point something. It's, it's about right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, three, we're go, but we're not going to get. We're not going to get in a one percent or one half percent. No, 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 no. no. I, don't, I, I think that would be. And remember that we only got that far because of the one in one hundred year pandemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, my goodness, that, that that was scary stuff for the economy and for the RBA. So yeah, if, if we are to get a cutting cycle, even with an economic hard landing, look, they'll cut. 
yeah, two, three, four times. You know, obviously we can talk about that down the track, but you know, then we're not we're not going to have a rate cutting size. It's more about what they won't do. They're not going to do something crazy. No, 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 no. And 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 again, because they don't want to fuel inflation. Like yep. they, they got out of got out of hand this time yep. around. So whoever the new RBA is in twenty twenty four, they'll probably take baby steps on the way down. Yeah, twenty five pause a month or two. Twenty five, like they know. used to. Like they did in the good old days. Yep. The good old days. The days that you and I first knew each other. Good on you, Coogie. Thank Thanks, you, Mark. Mate. All Bye, the best. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. <laughs>